G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Joining me on the line this morning is Martin Isles from the Australian Christian Lobby. We're going to be talking about this week's political agenda and uh, what's uh, looking at what's happening in the news from a Christian perspective. It's uh, great to have you with us this morning. Martin, how are you today, mate? Great to be with you, Matt. I'm doing pretty well. Slightly raspy voice from a flu, but I think we'll get through it. So oh, mate. For that, we're going to be in business. You just sound more authoritative with a raspy voice, they reckon. <laughs> now, mate, before we get into uh, this week's political agenda, I wanted to mention that uh, on my weekend program, I played uh, a portion of one of your messages recently. I was so impressed. Uh, you uh, You spoke recently at the FIEC, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. Oh, yes. And, and you spoke at uh, about the topic of persecution. And uh, I remember you, you opened up sharing a bit of a story about how someone came up to you after a conference and said that they were a, a Christian anarchist. Uh, <laughs> what, what was your response to that uh, comment? <laughs> uh, you can't be a Christian and an anarchist uh, because one of those things is going to have to change, and hopefully it's the anarchist bit. Uh, because uh, the Bible clearly tells us that God has ordained governing authority. That's right. Uh, and that those powers that exist are ordained of God. And it says, and if you resist them, you resist what God has appointed. So government's part of the system, like the lumpet. That's what I told them. Now, Martin, uh, your line is uh, quite crackly there. I'm not sure if you can move around where you are and try oh, and sure. get a, a bit of a better... Because uh, I know you said you've got a raspy voice, but you've got a, you've got a bad line as well. That's... Uh... Oh, it's it's breaking up a little bit. Uh, what we'll do is we'll we'll just continue the conversation, and if it keeps breaking up, we might have to call you back and try and get a better line. But uh, uh, I just do want to mention to our listeners: if you do want to check out this great message from Martin, uh, it goes for thirty minutes. It's worth watching. I watched about half of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm running out of time, but I want to watch the, the whole thing. But it's a great message. We posted it at Facebook a few days ago, uh, and it's got Martin Knowles there. Uh, speaking at the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches about religious freedom, so you can check that out there. Uh, so, Martin, let's uh, let's continue the conversation today and uh, just hear some of your thoughts on some of the uh, recent events. So, Scott Morrison, our uh, Evangelical Prime Minister, has announced a Royal Commission into Aged Care. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a good thing. Um, uh there's a lot to be said from a Christian point of view, uh, Matt, about the notion that you can measure a society uh, based on how it treats its elderly. Uh, you know, James writes in the first chapter that, you know, it's pure and undefined religion to visit the widow and the orphan in their affliction. And uh, the category of widow, the category of the elderly, uh, is often invoked uh, as people who God has a heart for. Uh, and people who we should have a heart for. And I think that there are really good reasons to be very concerned about how the elderly are being treated in our society. I think that's a large part of that is because of the increasing breakdown of family. Uh, and where you have family breakdown, there's a whole range of implications of that. I think that that's part of the reason for the rise in homelessness. Uh, I also think it's a major reason for the rise in elder abuse uh, and concerns around that, because when people don't have good family support structures, 
you have to uh, find care and support for them from people who are just getting paid for the job. And a lot of those people are wonderful people, uh, but the system can fail. And there's lots and lots of scattered stories. There's lots of anecdotal evidence uh, that's been around for a while. And so I do think that if we're going to take this very seriously, as God does, uh, we really need to look into it. So I'm, I'm very much in favour of the Royal Commission. I think it's a good move. It's a good move politically, too. I don't want to um, judge Morrison's motives wrongly here. I'm not I'm just the politics that he's gone for this over for the right reasons. But it is a good move politically because um, that category of voters are um, uh, coalition voters on the whole, uh, and some of them are disenchanted, and so it'll be good politically. But I don't want to, I'm not saying that, that I think that Scott has, that, that, that the Prime Minister has gone for that political reasons necessarily, but it is, it is nonetheless a factor. Yeah, and I actually heard uh, Greg Hunt interviewed recently about uh, the fact that this is one of, uh, you know, it's only been three weeks since Scott Morrison has been our Prime Minister, and it's one of the first things that he yeah. has uh, been very outspoken about. And he, he's basically said, look, this is my watch, this is my turn, uh, and this is something that I believe is something we need to get right as a nation. We've we've all seen the terrible footage on TV of uh, elder abuse in uh, different nursing homes and and different locations uh, that you know it needs to be addressed. It's it's, it's an injustice and it needs to be addressed. And uh, I think uh, it is it is a great move for him because he's got a heart of compassion. That's right. And, and we went from discussing euthanasia to now discussing. Um, the dangers of elder abuse, which I think is a very good transition, mm. um, because one of the troubles with the euthanasia laws, as we know from overseas statistics, is that elder abuse becomes a bigger problem because people who want to die by euthanasia report in the state of Oregon, about 60-odd percent of them report being a burden to family and friends as a reason for seeking death. Um, and, you know, that kind of pressure on the elderly is really sad. Mm. So it's a very good pivot uh, to have Scott Morrison come along and say, no, no, we're going to talk about some good stuff here in relation to the elderly. So uh, I like it. While we're on the topic of our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, uh, he's uh, promised to personally advocate for religious freedom protections in Parliament. What's the latest on that? Well, this is this is good news. Um, I mean, we, we're still getting a steady stream of cases coming through the door at ATL of people who are getting in trouble with the law for living out their faith. Um, and so the religious freedom protection thing is, is, is a real and present need. And I think that the, the talk that you referenced at the um, FIEC conference at the start of this segment uh, that I gave really was intended to prove that, to say, look, there are actually genuine religious freedom concerns in Australia. Here's the real stories for the last two years. Uh, we're getting more. We've just had a, a photographer from Western Australia get in touch, and uh, he had a... a, a, a a family, which was a lesbian couple with children, come to uh, ask for his specific services, and he told them that he was able to do that, that that, that would be that would be okay. Uh, however, like I said, in the interest of full disclosure, I want to tell you something. I said I want to tell you this because I invest myself into my clients. I want to tell the story, all in on the story. So I'm, I'm concerned that that might be harder for me to do in your case because I'm a Christian and to my beliefs. And he's and I read the message that he wrote. It was a really lovely message, actually. and nothing dodgy about it whatsoever. He just said, look, this is who I am. And he said, I'm, 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 I can do the photos for you. Um, that's not a problem. But because of, well, I've told you this just in case that's a problem for you. And if it is, you know, you can go and ask somebody else and I won't be offended. Uh, and they turned around and sued him. Uh, oh. And uh, we've just had word that that's likely now to be going to a tribunal. Uh, so it's, it's become a real-life legal action. And, and so what that means is that he's been sued and he's now facing legal action, uh, serious legal action, 
simply because he declared his belief. That's mm. all he did. Mm. Um, it's very, very concerning. That's one hot off the press. So they're still coming in. Uh, and so when Scott Morrison says that he's going to personally advocate for these protections, I think we need to be very, very grateful. Um, uh, and also it's a wonderful thing to have a Christian prime minister who understands the issue of not only living out your faith in public, but the difficulty that that, that presents. I mean, this guy in high office who's getting questioned regularly on this, and so he gets it. Uh, and so uh, I think we need to pray for that and pray for the political, uh, the politics of this to work out well, because it's not going to be an easy thing for him to do. Um, and we, we hope and we pray and we trust that there will be an opportunity that presents for him to put together. Mm, absolutely. And you mentioned there we need to be praying for our PM. Uh, there's a lot of people saying every AM we should pray for our PM, uh, which is uh, a good reminder. I actually noticed uh, Andrew Evans, the uh, the founder of Family First, which is now you know merged with the Australian Conservatives, uh, he put up a post on Facebook yesterday uh, urging people to pray, uh, and he gave three points. He said, number one, he's recently been undermined by Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, number two, if he loses Turnbull's seat in the by-election, he'll be in a minority government. And number three, if Peter Dutton is disqualified by the High Court, his government uh, will fall. And this could all happen by Christmas. And that's uh, urging us to pray daily. Uh, is this, yeah. is this a, a, a real possibility for us? Look, all of these things are uh, challenges that need to be navigated. And uh, it's very interesting. You know, I think that actually the appointment of Scott Morrison to PM, uh, it's probably, I, I always call it to people, I say, maybe reprieve that we didn't deserve, you know, in the sense that uh, it may well be uh, God's grace that he's done that, he's chosen this guy. I mean, I say this all cautiously because we don't know what the future holds and, um, you know, Scott Morrison hasn't been in the job long enough for it to, to really get a, a strong picture of how it'll go. But it may well be. Let's say that it is a, a reprieve and a blessing because of the religious freedom stuff and all of that. Um, so we need to remember that actually uh, fair is the primary thing. Because mm. it has nothing to do with us. Uh, that had very little to do with any lobbyists or anything like that. It had everything to do with the fact that as I travel around the country, uh, there are thousands and thousands of Christian people who are praying very earnestly for our nation. And so I do think, I'm very clear to me yet again, that prayer is at the forefront. And all of those are real risks. All of those are challenges and concerns. But ultimately, they're in God's hands um, as to how they work out. Mm. Now, turning our focus to pro-life matters, the Queensland abortion legislation could be ruled unconstitutional, and there's been the largest e-petition received by this government, uh, and it's been ignored by Labor. What's your latest thoughts on that? Well, two things. I mean, firstly, one of the uh, surprising things to me initially, and perhaps it shouldn't have been, but one of the one of the really interesting things is that the public don't want the bill. There's, uh, there's a tremendous lot of polling and the tremendous opposition to late-term abortions. Belief in fact that abortion is harmful to women and it's not ideal. Things like this. Uh, and also there has been the largest uh, e-petition ever received by the government uh, opposing the bill. Now, all of that is being ignored. That's absolutely true. Uh, so they have a problem with the electorate. But they've also got a problem legally, which is that this bill includes what they call bubble zones, which is these 150 metres zones around abortion clinics where you're not allowed to communicate on the subject of abortion in a way that can be seen or heard within that 150-metre exclusion zone. Now, it's, it's, it's quite possible. Professor Nicholas Aroni, Professor of Law at the University of Queensland, has put in a submission to the inquiry saying that those uh, that aspect of the law may well be unconstitutional or might be invalid if challenged in court. We're about to 
doubt whether that's true because the Australian Christian Lobby is currently supporting two cases on this very matter, uh, and they're going to be heard at the High Court of Australia, and basis get to the High Court, so it's quite momentous, uh, on October the 11th of this year. Uh, and these cases concern, uh, well, one of the cases concerns a lady called Kathy Club, who was a counsellor and made simple offers of help for women as they approached uh, an abortion clinic in East Melbourne for some years. Um, and that's all she did. Um, and she actually has seen as a direct result of her 300, more than 300 babies born alive uh, and mothers of those babies felt uh, in whatever way they need. Most of them were in difficult circumstances, hence why they're going to an abortion clinic. She's a remarkable lady. Uh, when the exclusion zones came in Victoria, and she made a simple offer of help to a couple that were approaching that clinic. She was arrested by the police. She was criminally charged and convicted. Um, she was fined. She was given a two-year good behaviour bond. And now she's at the High Court of Australia with nearly every attorney general in the country against her, um, which is an astonishing uh, set of circumstances, simply for years of tremendous Christian ministry uh, and helping women. So... In the outcome of that case, a lot rides on it. Firstly, in the smaller sense, the future of her ministry rides on it and the wonderful work she's done in the saving of lives, uh, but also um, the validity of these exclusions all around the country uh, is riding on it. So if we're successful in that case, if that's successful, it means that uh, the, this aspect of the Queensland legislation will be invalidated. Uh, so again, a prayer, but we have a great legal team. More optimistic. Well, it's wonderful to hear the Australian Christian Lobby standing up for life, and uh, certainly great to see so many people have been signing those e-petitions. Uh, you know, I think it really does make a difference when we uh, make a take the time to fill out these petitions, and I think the politicians are listening, which is uh, good news. Let's keep praying for that. And uh, lastly, Martin, in WA, uh, children seeking to transition has increased three hundred and fifty percent over the last four years uh, with regards to, uh, you know, sex changes. It's just astonishing, those statistics. Uh, what's the latest on this? Look, this is a, a tragic phenomenon that is being played out in the nation in most Western countries, um, whereby uh, kids that are suffering gender dysphoria, uh, that statistic is going through the roof. I mean, I mean, more than 350%. It's just crazy. There's now thousands of kids presenting with gender dysphoria in most states. Whereas, you know, you'd get really, really, you know, a handful in, in the past. And you've also now, this statistic in WA actually relates to kids seeking to change genders. So it's going the next level, they actually have a sex change. Um, and it is really, really sad. I mean, one of the things that's lost in all of this is, is the human cost uh, of this kind of stuff. Mm. I was reading just yesterday a report out of the US on children, young women, young girls, 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, who've been undergoing double mastectomies because they think they're boys. This is a bodily mutilation that cannot be reversed. Um, this is tragic. If you Google transgender regret, we'll end up with uh, tens of thousands of results of people with, with tragically broken lives telling their stories, saying, you know, there's Carrie, a 21-year-old woman from the US who says, you know, I'm a 21-year-old woman. I'm a five o'clock shadow, a scarred chest, and a broken voice all because I couldn't face the reality that I might be a woman. Uh, you know, kids who are vulnerable at that age as a young children are kids who have suffering with identity crisis, kids who are questioning who they are, some kids who actually, as Walt Heil would say, have transgender himself, who runs a counseling ministry. He says a full 50% in his, ex his experience of thousands of cases 
uh, have these feelings brought on by sexual abuse. Um, many of them have comorbidities, so autism or psychosis or depression, um, kids who, who are struggling. They've got difficulties of, of the mind. And what we're doing is we are now in huge numbers, setting them on a pathway that cannot be reversed. I think this is one of the greatest humanitarian crises of our society right now. Um, and it's, it's almost like the sins of the fathers being visited on the children, as it says in the Bible. And we've got to take a stand over this. Uh, and the statistics that are coming out, every time I see that, I think 350% increase. That's hundreds of kids who are undergoing this well before their time. They can't decide to smoke, they can't decide to drink, but they can decide to have a sex change. Mm. Uh, and this lifelong scars and impacts of this, it's really sad. And, uh, you know, ACL is advocating very hard on this stuff and trying to educate the church and also working up in the Victorian establishment at the moment to try and get rid of a government that has funded uh, this, um, uh, you know, unbelievable ways. Uh, and I think we just need to take a stand for the kids and make it stop. Well, it's wonderful once again to hear that the Australian Christian Lobby is uh, speaking out and educating and equipping people uh, with these hot topics. If people want to find out more, the website is acl.org.au or you can search up ACL on Facebook, uh, subscribe to their emails, get lots of great updates. We need to be educated, informed, and we need to speak up. Uh, the uh, the silent majority in Australia needs to speak up on these topics. And uh, we appreciate what you're doing. We hope you... Find your voice as well, Martin. Uh, all the best with that laryngitis, mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. All right. God bless you, mate. To be with you. All right. Thanks very much. Have a good one. Bye. Cheers. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.